Hello, and welcome to Three Association, a podcast about compassionate, contemplative, evocative supervision for spiritual directors, created by supervisors trained in the Together in the Mystery model. I'm Tara Owens. And I'm Maria Tattoo Bowen. We're glad you're here. Now let's listen in on today's Three Association conversation. so excited to have a dear friend actually with Maria and myself today. Hello, Monica. Hello. Welcome. Thank Hi, you. Monica. <laughs> Hi, Maria. Thank you both for having me today. I'm so honored. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Would you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'll do my best. My name is Monica Romick Green. I am a spiritual director. I've been a spiritual director for home. Oh, almost 20 years now. Ah. And I've been supervising spiritual directors almost as long as that. I'm one of those people who got thrown into the deep end after my training. (laughs) Here, go take care of other people. Figure it out as you go along. I've been doing that. I'm currently a candidate to ordination. I'm living in Canada, even though I'm a Californian. Yeah. What else about me? I think those are the most important things about me. And I'm just really happy to be here. We're so delighted to have you. Yeah. We begin uh, with a little play time. I feels like play time to me anyway, with a free association with our topic. And we're going to be talking today about power in spiritual direction. I'm wondering if we could free associate off the word power. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Maria first. Well, for me, when I think of power in spiritual direction, the very first thing that comes is the power of the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, I have this caution that comes because I think we have human beings in this relationship have power also. And I don't, I want to find ways of blending, coexisting, using that power, not abusing it. But for sure, for me, it's that upwelling of spirit that comes. Mm. How about you, Monica? That's beautiful. When I think of power in spiritual direction, I think of power being the capacity to create some form of action, the capacity to make something happen. That can Power is just a thing. I imagine, you know, it can be used for good or for ill. So it's just something that we have to be aware of, I think, of in spiritual direction. That's how I think of power. I love that you say the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the best power of all. Yeah. When I think of power, I think of the capacity to affect change. I'm always the one out of left field. (laughs) (laughs) I love that about you. When I hear just power, the word power, my imagination goes to electricity, actually. That sort of sense of this thing that we can generate it with our body. That like that's such an interesting thing that our bodies can generate electricity, that we have electricity within us, but around us, it's we harness it in certain ways to power our homes. And I still remember, I know our listeners may have all sorts of different relationships with the Bible, but I still remember an Old Testament theology and history professor talking about that passage where where one of the priests holds up the Ark of the Covenant and dies, which it doesn't feel like a really like fun or happy passage, but he talked about it as this sense of like, 
you just put your hands on high voltage wires. And as much as you wanted to help, that actually would have a physical effect on your body. And why you wouldn't touch a high voltage wire that spiritually that was happening. And so when I think of power, I think of it like electricity, but I also think of the spiritual power that way. And that we as directors are attuned to that, attuned to what's happening in the room and then how it's being, I don't want to use the word channeled, that feels funny, but channeled in terms of the, almost the way electricity in the walls are, is channeled. We want to be careful with that. It can yeah. cause great damage, but it can also illuminate. And so we're dealing with a force that is bigger than ourselves. And so how might we steward that appropriately? Perhaps steward's a better word. Yeah. Big topic. Big topic. <laughs> topic. Yes. Illuminative How- and dangerous. Yeah. Powerful yeah. topic. Can I oh, oh. Monica, we thought of you because you do a lot of work around storytelling and improv in spiritual direction spaces. And so I'm wondering when you think of this topic of power in spiritual direction and the need to steward it well, where do you go first? Where do I go first? I think I first often feel like I need to open up people's eyes to power dynamics, but interpersonally between people that are always going on. In improv, the term we use is status. It's a little less mm, scary than power. And plus, it's, it's status is kind of a way that we manipulate power. Because you might assume that someone with high status has all the power and someone with low status has none of the power, but that is not the case. You can actually use status to play with power (laughs) on either side of the seesaw. But to help people, I feel really bad, actually, when I tell people, I'm going to open up your eyes to an interpersonal thing that is going on all the time between everybody And once you see it, you're going to see it everywhere. Uh, Yeah, it's a little (laughs) bit. You can't unsee this, Monica. It's like taking a red pill or the blue pill, right? Like, do you really want to see what's going on here? And once you uncover it for a couple of days, people feel really off kilter when they understand that every every interpersonal relationship, every interpersonal interaction is a status exchange. There's something going on in the power dynamic between people and how they, you can't see my hands as we're recording (laughs) this, but I'm making my hands go up and down like a little seesaw. So there are certain postures, there are certain ways of talking, there's certain ways of taking up space as one speaks that would be considered higher status. And when you choose to take a status that is higher or lower than another person, there is a seesaw effect that happens. Automatically, the other people will go down if you take a higher status. So you can see this play out like in a party situation where you're talking to people And you'll see that there's a little pecking order that starts to take place. There's one person who has command of the room, who's got everyone's attention. And then there's somebody up under them that could come next and then somebody next all the way down. And that is how the power dynamic is working. That's how the status is flowing. And my improv teacher said she once walked into a party 
that was already in full swing as the story was going and she walked in standing and she slowly backed around because she felt this pecking order go on and she ended up sitting on the floor because (laughs) because there was no room for her to move into that power dynamic in any other way so you can use a high status move that makes you take up a lot of space and take the attention and have every so I'm doing that right now (laughs) I'm doing that right now because I'm speaking and you're both listening to me and you'll notice I'm speaking very clearly and taking long pauses and taking my time actually the more relaxed a person is in a space the higher a status they will seem to have in it so you might think of the king that sort of walks leisurely and sits on the throne while everyone is standing at attention that is the most high status person in the room wielding the power Mm -hmm. but then let's flip to the opposite side of what low status can look like and how some people choose to drop their status to raise other people's status and I find this happens a lot in the direction room that you'll find your directees will lower their status to raise yours this will usually be in times where they want you to give them answers or they'll want you to (laughs) (laughs) right to take over the session they will pull this like low status stuff and low status is taking up very little space in the room not talking very much being rather hesitant to speak downcast with their eyes hunching over It's a bit like saying, oh, it's almost a pitying kind of posture that pull in. It's a protective posture. By the way, they're both protective postures. Mm -hmm. High status is protective. It says, don't come near me, I bite. And low status says, don't bite me, I'm not worth the... If I go low status and it makes other people higher status, then a director will feel a pull (laughs) when a directee will go low status to try and force you into wielding power, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. The other thing that will happen is if somebody feels threatened in the room, they might pull a high status move on you to make you feel bad. (laughs) They might actually make themselves really big and move towards you aggressively. And that will make you feel uh, less than. Some, and I often have to talk to directors about that, that they've had circumstances where somebody who's used to being a high status person in rooms will try and overtake the direction session by pulling a high status in the direction session as well. I'm talking an awful lot about this. Is this making sense to both of you? It is making sense. One thing that I'm resonating with, Monica, as you talk is... It has a flavor of kind of transference, counter-transference about it too, mm-hmm. that all the ways we pull for attention or not, or so it, for me, from my perspective, I can hear it in that way. I was, and the thing that I'm resonating with, they actually just had a conversation with a directee where they, and this is somebody that I've walked with for 15 plus years now, where they said, when they started in direction, I intimidated them, which was not my intention. I was actually very relaxed and offering Ah. them space. And I'm aware, and this is as our listeners might be students in spiritual direction or people who have been in spiritual direction for a long time. I'm aware that that 
we as directors, when people come to us for spiritual direction, we are often like put on this guru pedestal, like the, yes, the, and that we, that's the transference piece mm-hmm. and that we have to be aware of these dynamics, not to be intentionally manipulative about them, but instead to recognize what's going on in me, where, how do I elevate? Like you were doing the seesaw here. And I was like, mm-hmm. but how do we elevate the spirit? There's, yes. there's the question. Like I have that question of if a directee is going, is in that space of trying to make me or asking me for answers, how do I transfer the power or the status to the unseen in the room is a question that I was thinking as you were describing. Fantastic question. What you're asking, how do you get off the seesaw, right? And the way that we get off the seesaw of the up and down in improv terms is through identification and compassion. So when you identify with the other, when you have compassion for the other, you jump on the same side of the seesaw as they do. And when you're on the same side of the seesaw, that leaves room then for somebody else to be up there. And that would be the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so I often have envisioned my direction sessions as I necessarily take a high status position at the beginning of a session. It's the space that they're entering is even online is generally one that I have helped create, I'm inviting them into my space, right? Into a space that I have prepared for them. And it makes people feel very comfortable if I have an opening ritual that I am the one that gives to them. So that could be lighting the candle. That could be for me. I often give a a prayer and a verse. I usually ask if that's what they're interested in, but that opening ritual is me taking the high status so they don't have to worry about what's going on in the room. They don't have to figure out, do I need to be high or low status right now? I take the status, which pushes them down, right? And then slowly over the course of the session, I lower my status and lift them by listening, right? And giving them the space. And it doesn't take very long after, if we do it enough, right? They get used to, oh, now she's going to listen to me and I can take the status in the room. So I go down and they go up. And then at that perfect moment in in the session, I jump on the same side of the seesaw as them. And we look together from the same vantage point. And that can be a a moment where they're feeling high or they're feeling low. Whatever it is, I identify with them. I, I somehow give them the sense of, oh, no, we're both in the same place looking elsewhere. And then, honestly, to end the session, I take the status back up again. Because it's that it's time to end thing that we have to do as spiritual directors. <laughs> That's a high status move. When, when you're in a room with somebody and you make the motions that, okay, it's time to end now, that's taking the status back. And uh, I don't drop them all the way down. It's just that, okay, now, now I'm the one taking this time to a close. I'm taking the kind of the power back in that moment. But that's generally how I have envisioned my, the general flow of spiritual direction, but it it involves that identification and compassion in that moment Mm. where we both go, oh, ah, when we're looking the same direction and we're no longer looking at each other, the seesaw is about each other and turning it to the spirit is about looking together 
to the spirit. It strikes me, Monica, that you're talking about hospitality a certain way, that there's that that welcoming into a space and a helping a space come to a close are the roles of the generous host. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting to me because I still, I, I still wiggle around in the power conversation. I still feel like how wiggly it feels because the desire is to make space for the holy, is to make space for the third and recognize that there are things going on in the room. There are things happening to open your eyes to that. There's, there is this tendency in me to want to run away. And I think at, a different personality might want to run into. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The low status and the high status. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny for me. I feel like the word status, you know, around spiritual direction just explodes something in my head. Right. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> but then I also know personally that claiming my own power has been a long journey for me. And mm. I remember having this experience when I was teaching at a seminary somewhere, but this wonderful woman looked at me one day and she said, you're a lot more powerful than you think you are. Mm. And I had that same message come to me like in three times in a week. And I'm thinking like, okay, <laughs> I think I better start <laughs> listening to this. But I can see that I have had a style of leaning back. And I have to say I'm six feet tall. So there's that. So I have this mm -hmm. kind of stature mm -hmm. that comes. But but I think my strategy in life has been more a kind of the quieter, the leaning back. So all of this, it makes me wiggly thinking about stuff. <laughs> and that's, that's true, right? Because like I said, this is like peeling the scales off of our eyes and Ooh. seeing that this is happening all the time. It And it's it's not meant to be like that, that it's good or bad, right? That's one yeah. of the things that I ask, what's better, high or low status? And the answer is, it depends on the situation. And I liken it like this. What was Jesus? Was Jesus high status or low status? Yeah. Great question. And I make both. people go and <laughs> both. Yes, exactly. Right? Like yeah. both. Both. Yeah. It depends on the situation. And usually, and this is the thing about Jesus, Jesus was always change like doing the status thing that no one would expect so pulling <laughs> high status where you don't think he should be pulling high status then pulling low status where you think no jesus get off the cross no low status. <laughs> <laughs> and yet in that case the low status was the high status exactly yeah. and that's where it all comes together right because jesus was free to do the will of the father Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to do. And you're right. I love how you, Maria, I love how you use the word sort of strategy, because that's what we need to become aware of. If we get stuck being one kind of player than another, if we only do one, then we're not free to do whatever needs to be necessary. Yeah, or that freedom, the mm -hmm. freedom, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be able to have the capacity to intervene in important moments. And that requires like high status. I'm talking like a, an ethical breach or, you know what I mean? Right. Like you mm -hmm. need to be able to say, stop, this has to stop right now. You need to be able to have the freedom to use the power in whatever way is necessary for the good of the, your, yourself, the directee, for the Holy Spirit, for the culture. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, it's, yeah, it's, it can be a word where you think, eh, I don't like that. It's the word that improvisers use because again power like I said power it has to do with power but like I said a low status person can pull all the power 
out of her room too. If, yes. they pull, if they drop, yeah. if they're the ones moving, it's, I guess the power is in the seesaw moving, right? It's in the fulcrum, right? That's the, fulcrum. the power comes from the fulcrum and that, and if we get, I just love how compassion is the thing that gets us off the seesaw, that it's the thing that brings us alongside when we are, and how powerful compassion is. And I think it's just a, it's a funny reality. Maria and I have never met in person despite having worked together. And I did not know that you're six foot tall. Um, <laughs> well, five eleven, my, technically. Well, yeah, I, these things matter, but my husband is six, six. So mm-hmm. like he manages his height a lot. And in managing his height, he is trying to be compassionate and welcoming to the person in front of him or when necessarily actually like bringing himself forward to say to be, it's not to be intimidating, but to take up the space that he actually takes up in a way that, that says something. And I think that what I've learned from Brian and our listeners will be familiar with him from season one, but what I've learned from Brian is that he had to think about that. He is forced to think about it because of his body is outside the norm. And I'm making yep. air, air quotes around that because norm is a, a, a whole other episode. But because he has, and I think this is true of differently abled bodies, of cultural yes. difference, of racial awarenesses, that whatever norm is in a culture you operate inside a power structure that you're not aware of and you have status that you're not aware of. Yes. And that, that what I've learned from living with him and it's just, a, it seems like a silly thing, but he, he can't operate in a world that doesn't see him as tall. And as a result, he has to manage and think about that in a generous way. And he chooses to be generous with it. But, but I think about us as directors and that's true like all of these dynamics are related, also related to being a man or a woman or trans or like the reality within a space as directors. These are all dynamics that like, oh, when we become aware of them to bring them to supervision, yes. like <laughs> to, to be able to talk about them without shame, yeah. because that's the other word that I hear creeping around the edges of this conversation is this tendency to feel shame about this awareness as well. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up because no one wants to feel like we are abusing power. And it is something we have to think about because as we talked about transference, like we are given power that there, there is a power dynamic the status thing, we're given power in the room. And so it's really important as directors that we talk about it in supervision and not be afraid to say, am I allowed to use my power in this way? Did I use it appropriately? Should I pull back from that? Should I think about it in a different way? Because it's happening. That's what it doesn't not happen. It does not happen. So Mm -hmm. we we need to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, it's just going to go on without us having it brought into the light, brought into community, brought into wise other eyes in order to help us navigate through it. So I wonder, Monica, what wisdom you might have for, say, a new director who's trying to navigate their power. I notice it's not infrequent that people say things like, the Holy Spirit is the real director. So therefore, 
I can disappear. But really, that's a fiction that doesn't serve anybody so well, I think. I know many mm-hmm. people I respect dearly would disagree with me about that. But for me, that is serves to muddy the power dynamic and yeah. and the real power we actually do wield and have to take responsibility for. So how what might you say to a new director about the difference between disappearing, wielding power? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, first off, when I think about new directors, I think this is just one more thing I hope like you're trying to figure out, please don't take this as a heavy thing. Like it'll work out as you go. But I think the most important thing would be to be really, get really honest about the kinds of power you are, have been given in your society. Just Mm. notice Mm -hmm. it. Notice that you carry things that give you more power. Consider your style and ask people if you were to consider me, do you think I'm a high status or a low status person? Ask them, ask them how they, you, you come across. Get that honest feedback because it's okay if you tend to be a high status player. It's okay if you tend to be a low status player, but your awareness of that is really essential so you know what people are going to be responding to in the room. So there's stuff that you are given, like being six feet tall, right? <laughs> or being let's face it, white, if you're a white mm-hmm. director, right? Or if you're male, or if you're cisgender, right? Mm-hmm. In the church, if you're married, right? There's all these things that create, that come with it. Become aware of those things, that you have them. You just have to own that. And then figure out your own personal style and how you work within that. And then once you know, that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Once you know, that's the first step. And then, uh, this can sound crazy, but play with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an improviser, right? Play with it. Try it. Try something different in the room. If If you tend to do it this way, try it another way and see what happens. And that might give you some information, some feedback that you need to have about what's helpful and what's not. So this kind of disappearing thing, I'm with you that there's no way we entirely disappear. We are in the room and we're supposed to be in the room. And so I would encourage new directors and say, you're called to this. God wants you in the room. So what does that mean that you, what do you bring to being in the room? Then you can talk about how to use that well. But just becoming aware is the first thing I would say. And that's a long journey. That's a long journey to find out what you're aware of. But it's a constant one, right? We're constantly having to re- to remember and learn who we are in the room. Yeah, I, that's it strikes me in different seasons. Even I recently I struggled with the words, but came back from sabbatical. And I don't really think you come back from sabbatical. I think it's just something that... <laughs> Anyways, but I recognized that how I was in the room shifted in terms of that as I stepped back with it with my directees because there had been this three months where I had I actually took a low status posture when that's not necessarily my my default in a space. And that was a fascinating thing to just be aware of. It wasn't that I it was right or wrong. It was just to notice within a season my posture was changing and then to take that first to self-supervision and to God and to sort of thing what was going on. And there were some interpersonal dynamics going on in my life that were feeding into that. And then being able to take that to supervision and say, 
oh, okay, can I think this is part of what is happening here, but would my supervisor begin to speak to that with me and let God speak to that with me? And, and so knowing that we're talking about self-awareness and we're talking about like that space of the self-awareness leads to compassionate awareness of self and which then makes compassion for the other flow more freely. Yes. And that's a wise word that our status things change over time. Maybe not our habits of status, but the status that is given to us as we get the status that's given to us changes. Yeah. I was, I was shocked. Like I'm now in my early fifties and I'm shocked at the times that I'm ignored now that I didn't used to be in certain areas. And then I'm shocked at the times I'm given status that just, I don't think I deserve when people see me as like a mom figure that, oh, that surprised me. These things change over time. So we need to constantly be becoming aware, constantly becoming aware. So this is totally out of left field, but I'm sitting here puzzling around words and how when I look at a, say, a contemplative reflection form and I look at the dialogue on it and I'm fascinated by how some directors seem to wield power by using a lot of words and they think that's powerful, particularly, again, a newer director, and then how, how some are quite minimal. And I wonder, I guess, I can see where it would be high status to use a lot of words sometimes, and it would also be very low status to use a lot of words in a space that isn't meant for that. So could you say a little more maybe about that? You nailed it. It's not the number of words. It's the why you're using them. (laughs) So a high status move would be, I'm using a lot of words to school you in this particular situation and show you what I am that. I understand and can can solve your problem, that I have the education. High high vocabulary is an indication of that. So <laughs> yeah. if you start using highfalutin words, that's going to be much more high status. But low status talking of a lot of words is the, I'm not sure what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to talk a lot. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure it out as the words come out. And so it's, is it How are we, how, here's an interesting power word. How are we channeling the anxiety? So the low status talking a lot is that I'm trying to, I'm just letting my anxiety, let my mouth run the thing Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to the high status, which is I'm going to tell you what's going on and I've got all the answers. And again, let's remember when we go to these extremes, they're both Mm self-protection. Yeah. And they're not very Mm -hmm. relational. Mm -hmm. There's the, 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 that come, I come back to that compassion where we're back on the seesaw. And I think there's this invitation to silence also can be a status move, but it can be a move of compassion as well. So it's not one or the other, that compassionate space for allowing the directee to just be with what was just said or what is coming up rather than filling it with words. And in fact, that can be a high status decision to not answer a question right away. To just wait a little bit more to see if more rises in them. And again, like we could be uncomfortable with calling that a high status thing, but that's the reality is we're holding that space compassionately with them 
so that what is within them has room to breathe, to speak, to, to come forth. You can have different, I'm going to muddy the waters a little bit here. You can have (laughs) different status to different people in your space and in the room. So you can actually have a compassionate status toward the person you're with while you're holding high status to the room. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's, this is my room. So I'm comfortable in it. And if I'm comfortable in the silence and hold that while I'm compassionate toward the other person, they can also become comfortable in the silence, but if I'm holding a high status move by doing that as well, you can also lower your status to the Holy spirit while your status is still high to the room. Oh, and is your yeah. compassionate yeah. person, right? Like you can do these kinds of things. If you think multiple things can be going on, that's 201, right? But that is what we're the kind of thing you're talking about, Tara, right? It is, you do have to, you're making choices. You're making power choices when you say, I'm not going to answer that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then what you do with it, that space is really great. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to say, Maria, to your, the people talking on the contemplative reflection form, I find that if you're going to find somebody's status move that goes really abrupt, that power move, either up or down, it's usually going to be in a place where somebody got freaked out. Yeah. The director got freaked out. Because if you're freaking out, then you're going to try and protect yourself. And the way you're going to try to protect yourself is the way you tend to do that. So you're either going to go high status, you're going to go low status, you're going to back away, right? And so that's just a wonderful, that's a gift as a supervisor, right? You can go, oh, right there. There it is. Let's talk about that moment right there. (laughs) See, you were tense and that came out of your mouth. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about it. And that's the gift, right? That is the Mm -hmm. gift. And we all do it. And for directors to become aware of those moments where you go, huh. I just talked a lot. Yeah. I think I'm going to go talk to my supervisor about that. <laughs> yeah, what's going on for me? I'm really engaged, Monica, by that sense of getting off the seesaw as a move toward compassion. It also strikes me as a move to a really kind of authentic humility, like in the sense of I have such a strong memory of the beginning of the pandemic and people when I didn't know what was going on, the people who came to vi- to see me didn't know what was going on. There was something much bigger than us happening. And I kept having this image that we weren't sitting across from each other, but we were sitting next to each other on a couch mm-hmm. looking for God, just waiting for God in that. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, and yes, I'm sure, certainly I still had my power as a spiritual director they had their power as a directee, but really we were both in this incredible mystery. Amen. And, and that feels like a right kind of orientation to me as I'm yeah. in the room with people. Totally mm. agree with that. That's mm. what we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the space of awe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I'm, my mm. husband is reading to me right now one of Father Greg Boyle's books. <gasps> oh, I love him. I love him too. <laughs> it's called Barking to the Choir. Yeah. And it's a whole chapter on awe versus judgment mm, yeah. and how when we choose awe, 
judgment has no space in the room. And that's another way of saying we're going to get off the seesaw. Yeah. Because the seesaw is like figuring out, do I belong here? How do I fit here with another person? And it, once you can sit side by side and have awe together, there's no judgment in the room. There's nobody, nobody has to be up and nobody has to be down. Yeah. We can just look and be amazed. Yeah. Yeah. That feels wonderful segue to ask you, and I could keep talking with you forever about this. This is so <laughs> engaging, but to ask you about an experience of supervision for you that was transformative or moving to share with our listeners. I would love to, by the way, I absolutely adore my supervisor and I love meeting with her. It does me so much good. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm just going to schedule a supervision session. I don't know why, but let's get together <laughs> and we'll figure it out. But there was one that's happened a while ago and I've used it actually, as I supervise other people, it was so transformative and so helpful. I have a tendency to be sent directees that are like me. <laughs> and by that, people whose brains work quickly and who talk a lot. <laughs> and I'm honored. I'm honored when people send me these kinds of directees. And yet also it's challenging. Like I can follow my directees as their brains hop from place to place. But I had an instance of one of these lovely directees who combined that with a bunch of anxiety. So it was a lot of highly intelligent talking, jumping from topic to topic with a lot of anxiety. And I found myself frustrated with this directee as much as I love them. And I went to supervision and I wish, I, I'm going to try and describe this because I know this is audio and not visual, but it there was a physical gesture that went with my feeling. I said, I just want to, and I took my hands and I tried to, I, it was like a grabbing motion to grab and hold this directee down. Like I said, I just want to, I just want to uh, hold them down for a second. Cause they're so like fast and talking and I'm missing it. Uh, I want to do this. I get, and I get so frustrated. And this was my physical gesture that I sent, <laughs> gave to my supervisor on zoom. Uh. And she very wisely listened to me and said, oh, Monica, what if that, see that posture, right? The hands mm -hmm. going in together. What if this isn't the posture of spiritual direction? What if the posture of spiritual direction is, and she took her two hands and she turned them outward and she pushed to the sides, like toward uh, out from me. I can, is this a better way to describe this? Yeah. Yeah. So creating the space. You're actually pushing, instead of holding her down, your job is to open up the space and hold that space for her. <gasps> and she kept her hands like this. What if mm -hmm. this is the role of the spiritual director? Not this, don't hold her down, but open up the space for her and hold ah. it. Ah. And I cannot tell you how often when I start to feel my anxiety raise, I literally outside of the screen will make <laughs> my hands go like that. I will push uh, to the side and go, nope, that's what this is about. This isn't about me holding somebody down. <laughs> no. 
no matter how fast they go, it's about holding the space. And actually in the holding the space, I find that my directees calm down, Oh, that mm. they trust that I'm holding that space for them in that way. And so I have used that gesture for myself, as I said, I've used it in supervision when I see other people with the same thing. And I always give credit to my supervisor. I'm like, let me tell you something my supervisor told me. What if it's this? this. It's what I need and it's what they need. So yeah, props to my wonderful supervisor. Oh, thanks be to God for our supervisors. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) And you know what? I'm sure that was just something that came to her in the moment. I mm-hmm. thought she just saw, no, that's not it. That's the opposite. It's if that's the kind of simple, profound wisdom that, that mm-hmm. I have received. That's just one that I've got. From her. Uh, I know you have more. Thank you so much, yeah. Monica, for joining Thank us today. You. Thank you. This has been such a delight. Thank you for having me on and blessings on this wonderful, important ministry that mm. you guys are doing. Mm. I really appreciate it. As a supervisor myself, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's Three Association Conversation. This and every Three Association episode can be found at threeassociation.com, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast feed. We appreciate you being with us. Please feel free to forward this or any Three Association Conversation to those who might benefit. Blessings on your life and ministry.